This is Being End Time. As the spirits wandered, they suddenly realized that they were all going to become real. While they did not know where, or when, or how, or why, they began to communicate with each other. They sorted themselves into different groups. There were tree spirits, plant spirits, bird spirits, animal spirits, and people spirits. In the dim darkness, the spirits wandered. They wandered around, some of them drifting into and out of reality. Today, we know this area as Bibbulmun country. All the land south and west of a boundary line that runs approximately from Geraldton to Meriden and almost to Esperance. This, an excerpt from the Noongar story of country, The Carers of Everything, narrated by Elder Dr. Noel Nanop. Noel's father, Charles William Nanop, belonged to the Bibbulmun people. We speak about ancestors, spirit, and our place in the world. Let's talk about uh, spirits mm -hmm. and our past and our future. Yep. So, first question is, um, where are you from? Um, obviously with a name like Nanup, <laughs> that connects me to Western Australia, particularly the Southwest. And that comes from my dad's side, Charles William. He was given those English names. And um, he was born in what we call Mundaring, in the saddle of the hills just up here, on the outskirts of Perth. And um, his father, they also called Charles William, still with the same nana, mm. he was born in Wannerup, which is near Bustleton in the southwest. Dunsborough's not far away either. Mm. And um, then his father, before that one, given the same name, <laughs> but shortened to Billy. Right. And he was born uh, at Wannerup too. And the father before him was born where the old mill is in South Perth. Right. So that connects me to this part here, an apical ancestor by the name of Midgigrew. And he had two wives. So that means I'm now a person that has an ancestral lineage connected to that location. That's according to the new way with the tall ships coming mm. in 1829. But prior to that, in our old way, I would simply belong to the southwest of Western Australia. Right. And you could draw a line, Geraldton, Meriden, Esperance, mm. because all the groups in that area, 14 different groups, married into one another. Mm. That's on my dad's side. Right. On my mother's <laughs> side, uh, Ngalama Indjibandi. And the Ngalama Indjibandi people are from what we call in language Irumagadu. And Irumagadu is a pool on the Harding River in the Pilbara. And that pool today, there's a town built next to it called Roeburn. So that's where my mother's people come from. Mm. And the Ngalama and the Indjibandi is the marriage line because there's more around there as well right. yeah. and similar to here certain people marry within a group 23 different language groups there mm -hmm. and down here it's 14 so I've got a connection to the Pilbara and a connection to the southwest mm. 
which takes us back quite a few years. Yeah. With um, the connection that you draw from your parents mm-hmm. um, and their parents and so on, yep. is that also where you draw the knowledge that you hold today? Uh, of course. And I think, well, I'd have to acknowledge the prime mover in that knowledge, particularly the Aboriginal side of it, and that's my Uncle Thomas. Mm. And that's my dad's younger brother. And if we go to mum's country, then there are um, members of the family up there that contributed as well to my understanding of the spirituality in, in our natural world. Mm. So I was born in Geraldton. I called Geraldton home because I was born there. Mm. And that's really important in, in your life because you're born in a catchment. And every person that knows their catchment, that's the first step to understanding your spirituality. Okay. Why is that? Because that's where the water comes from. In your catchment, you have to know where every drop of water comes from when it rain falls and where it goes to by the tributaries that take it to its end point which obviously is the ocean mm. in most cases. So the Greenough River and the Chapman River, I was born between both of them mm. and in the local language there we would say Willa Guthera, born between two rivers, <laughs> that's what it means. Yeah. And the catchment to the Greenough is up towards Motherwall spreading back down across towards um, what they call coal seam, Minganyu, a little place called Wangundi, and that's the top end of the catchment on the south side. And if you follow it back to the west, the east, to its eastern source, it's up on a station called Billabalong. And then next one down from Billabalong is Yellowlong. And the next one down from that is um, Mergu and then of course it runs then into that river. There's a slight rise in the landscape on Billapalong. The water that goes the other side of that runs into the um, Murchison River. Mm. And this is what you have to know that connects you to country because the spirit is in the land. And that's where the understanding comes from. When you know these things, you know exactly who you are. Because it's not about you. It's about what you represent. And each one of us represents the land upon which we're born. And honour the catchment. Because water is the giver of life. Because it's the giver of life, then everything about you and what you will learn um, is how you go about honouring what you've been given life force for and that is the spirit. Um, When was the moment that you realised that you're a spiritual entity? Um, I'm thinking that my earliest understanding of that was through my mum because her and dad had split up mm. and I was about 
forward was 60, 1962, early in the year, and Mum had gone to make a thera. And Dad, you know, we were on the bones of our bum, but he had to get Mum back because there was myself, uh, two of my sisters, and me at home. And he wanted Mum to come back. Apparently they'd broken up before, I didn't know about that. And when we were up there at Makathara, I overheard my mum saying, well, the only reason I'll come back, Will, she called him Will, is because of Noel. He's a very special boy. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, really understand what she was talking about. And then the magnitude of it hit me because Dad was crying and I was crying. Mm. And, and I heard those words and I just hung on them. And I just sort of, I used to chew my T-shirt. Mm. And there I was, you know, a, a, about a 14-year-old boy, 13, crying and chewing my T-shirt. <laughs> mm. I just was in that, that place, you know. And then that's when it hit me, there was something more than just eating, sleeping, you know, going about our daily lives. There was something really deeper. And it was that moment. And I, I share this very rarely with people. However, because of today's world and people needing to know and understand a spirituality, then this is why I share it. Thank you for sharing that. No worries. Um, and what are the, uh, like a plant or an animal that you are most kind of attached to? Yeah, and, and it was about that time also that I began to realise that I'd heard about totems hmm. from what Uncle is a, Thomas. What is a totem? And a totem is something that connects you to that land even closer. Hmm. And that there's stories about them. And each one of them, as totems, have their own story, their own song, their own dance and their own art. And while I'd heard about that, I really didn't grasp the total concept of it. And as I was starting to think about this, Mum saying, you know, that I was special. And I'd heard her say it several times before, but it was just, a, to me, a throwaway line. Mm. But in that instance, to say she would come back to, to home, because we were all shocked to, to think she'd gone. But there was, she wasn't there anymore, you know. Mm. And um, she'd come back until I was older and um, the sad reality was uh, she came back for a very short while and left again and I was then old enough to really have things nailed down and know who I was and, mm. and what I was about and um, I was able to tell her that. Yeah. Do you have a totem? I have a totem. What's your Carter the Goanna. Yeah. And what does that mean? Um, that means I can eat red meat mm -hmm. and I shouldn't eat white meat, basically. So it's mm -hmm. to do with my blood group. Mm -hmm. 
and how people knew and understood that in the old way. Mm. Yeah. And I'd learned those little bits from Uncle Thomas. Yeah. Um, and how does the kind of spirituality and story link mm -hmm. to the stars? And okay. Using the stuff. First of all, yeah. when you're learning and you're in your catchment, mm -hmm. you're going out and you're walking around and you're, you're seeing the lay of the land where the tributaries are running, mm -hmm. you know, the smaller ones feeding into the larger ones and then pools and realising that they're living streams and they don't necessarily run above the ground, they run below the ground, mm -hmm. which is a completely foreign concept to a lot of people mm -hmm. and as you interact and relate with your country then of course all over this land you have birds plants animals trees including reptiles and that's when you learn your connection and it's through that connection and through those stories of that connection, that you learn that there was a time when everything was in spiritual form and then became real. And when they were in their spiritual form, they went through this process of elimination as to which one of them would win the right to care for everything else. But not just that, as they moved across a given landscape, they performed what I, I call heroic deeds. They scratched and they dug as spiritual entities in the soil, leaving their mark. And as you grow up and you learn the stories, the songs, the dances and the art, then you see your image in the landscape. And that is you and you are it. But taking that even deeper, because you don't just have a reptile, you have a tree and your placenta is buried under that tree and once that's done that placenta is nurtured the tree through the fine feeder roots that are there in the drip zone that, that same placenta that nurtured you as an individual so that tree is you and you are that tree because the DNA is in it and we believe that and all cultures have belief system no matter where we go in the world we're no different and the depth of that belief is what connects you to everything and you can't forsake it you can't let that go for anything else that connection has to stay if you're going to live according to the spirit an example of that is the modern world, you know, that we live in here in Australia today. When I was much younger, the vast majority of the people in our communities, full stop, black and white, were Christian. And I've watched that gradually fall away. Where the vast majority of people in our community now are non-Christian. And there's a huge void why? What has happened? And I've seen that through following technology and allowing it to just run rampant and not be controlled. 
sure we can hold our politicians to account, but we don't hold those that create things and, and invent things to account. We just let them go. And then all we do is stand in the in the row in the queue at the shop waiting for number eight to come out, you know? Mm. Oh, come on, number nine. Come on, number ten. Mm. Well, that's just taking us further and further and further away from the spiritual connection to everything. Mm. So for me, um, while I am involved in modern technology, mm. I, I hold it to account yep. and just have the bare minimum so that I can still function within this system, mm. but also maintain some form of connection to spirituality. What happens when you, when someone like you yep. kind of lose that? Because something that I see a lot, especially in young people, because that's kind of where I yep. work and what I'm really yep. passionate about, yep. is this the void that you're speaking of, mm-hmm. the uncertainty, you know, for years I woke up every day saying, who am I, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and sometimes I still do, because that's an ongoing you say, question. You also say, why am I here? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, kind of, what happens when somebody loses that yeah. spiritual connection, yeah. and how, how do people yeah. move back towards it? Or, this is where I work with um, people that, you know, understand the depth of thinking. And when you understand the depth of that and you work with it every day and you see others in situations where they desperately need help because they're asking those two questions every minute of the day. Who am I? Why am I here? They're in trouble. They need help. And by working with them, that can take a massive toll on the individual that's working in that situation. Mm. So getting before that is the key to it. Mm. And that is trying to get the youngsters when they're at that age where there's still that bright spark in their eye and they're able to look straight at you and not look at the ground because it's that ability to, to, to assess a person that allows me to work with who I find I need to work with and I'll leave the other side of it to someone else and um, you're born for that job, you know. It's, it's a difficult, difficult job. Mm. So, from where I'm at, I will always find those people that are um, that are balanced and that are out there doing stuff, and they'll look after them. And um, we can tell just like that mm-hmm. who's where and why. And that's why I'm in, allowing you to interview me here <laughs> because I know you're one of those people. Mm. that still has that spark, you know, mm. even though you say what you've said <laughs> because um, you're aware of it. It's when you're not aware of it, that's when the deep trouble comes, from what I've been able to gather. So I go back to the catchment 
Mm. And I have to, because it's the story of that catchment. And not just one. You learn that first one in the early years of your life. Once you've got that nailed down, because the interesting thing about that is, um, and you learn about your catchment, you'll meet people and encounter people right through it that tell you all about that pool, you know, about that little plateau, that piece of country, that area where the emus nest, you know, and you're getting this pattern in your head about that, and you uh, are able to keep your mind clear because the early teachings is you always store the knowledge in the relationship, not in your own head. And that way, as soon as you see the image of something, and if you've been taught about it, the story comes to you from there, rather than from here to there. Do you understand? Yeah. And when you have that storing the knowledge in the relationship, not just your head, everything will be on instant recall. Mm. Providing you're in the right space. And that's the constant battle because you see so many things that are going on in, in society that tip the balance away from positive to negative. Negative, 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 and you get dragged down into it. Mm. And if you reach the point where you're abusing substances to help you in that situation, then you're in deep trouble. You've got to come back from that. And maintain that balance the best you can and it's never easy we don't have a rare disease as Aboriginal people in this country we see lots of people that are in that situation you know particularly new people that come here as migrants and they're, they're alone you know sure they put a bit of stuff around them and help them but then you see those that are come out, coming over here and escaping wars and, and, and other famine and stuff like that. And what do our governments do with them? They put them in detention centres. Mm. Uh, and they, they're raising kids in there. To me, that's just so wrong. It's horrendous. And, and the toll it must take on those. So. You always see the hopeless situation and then you have to race back to who you really are at your deepest core. And thankfully I grew up in that era where I was able to sit and look up at old people and listen to them talking about country and talking about the old ways and how the old people were really clever and the things that they could do. And then it's bigger than that single catchment then. You learn about the one next to that, the south side and the north side because we're on the west coast. Inland, you can go in there and you'll also find where the water runs out there. And then you learn that next catchment and then you learn that next catchment. And as you're learning all of that, um, and you get a model in your head and a pattern and straight away you look at country, you read country. You can even look at maps and see the runoff and the, the drainage lines 
you know, what I call them drainage lines. There's no such thing as a drain. <laughs> it's all, uh, you know, some form of tributary like a, a brook or a creek mm. or a tributary of some sort. And um, the only drainage lines are the ones that are built by non-Aboriginal people and, or they're at the source of why they're dug. You know, some people, some of my people were machine operators and I'm guilty as well mm. of following instructions and, and doing those sorts of things. So getting back to that old way is the way. And then you learn the story and that's where Uncle Thomas came at the right age for me. And he taught me the story that fits over the whole lot. Then once you understand that story, that takes you through to your question about the night sky. Because what's down here is also up there. But in our old way, you're not meant to learn about it there until you're at least 50 years old. Mm -hmm. So you carry earth-based um, totems mm -hmm. and your powers of observation are watching those coming along behind you. So our planning was about seven generations of people. Mm. And as you're watching people coming behind you, you know who can cope with the stresses and strains associated with being responsible for totems. And you'll give them your earthly-based ones. Mm. And then you'll switch to having totems from the cosmos, mm. planets, constellations, certain stories that relate to there, etc. And that's where I'm at at the moment. Mm. Deeply entrenched in uh, the understanding of the night sky. When you say you give them your totem, mm -hmm. what does that mean? That's done through ceremony. Right. You see, when you talk about Australian Aboriginal people, you're talking about a group of people that know how to conduct ceremony. And ceremony consists of those four main ingredients, story, song, dance and art. So if you have the story of a place, you know full damn well that the story of that place is about different pieces of country. And, and we have what is called women's business and men's business. And they're allocated pieces of country and this is done spiritually. And therefore, you wander through those areas where you shouldn't wander through. And we do that every day in today's world because those lines aren't there anymore. Those laws aren't there anymore. Mm. And roads that we travel along run right over these places. Mm. So that's why we maintain the connection to country through uh, welcomes to country, which cleanses that space. Mm. Once you've cleansed it, the vibration of the voice breaks into the spirit world. You then leave a void that can be filled with a good spirit. And then you're starting from base again mm. and you can conduct business. And that's the importance of knowing and understanding country and the importance of ceremony 
and every full moon. That's every full moon. Over 60, 65,000 years, how people are conducting ceremony. You know, in today's world, God saved the Queen. That's all I've ever known in my life because we've only had that one ruling monarch out of England. And she's got gone 70 odd years or approaching 70 years of being in as the head monarch. And there's ceremony itself, flag raising, mm. singing God Save the Queen every morning. Well, we have ours as well, you know? Ceremony, 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 ceremony. And, and that's the important bit that connects you and keeps you close to your spirit. Mm. And if you believe that, your voice and words uh, break into that spirit world and bring that spirit to you, then that's what balances you and keeps you able to cope with other pressures that I mentioned earlier. Mm. What is the spirit world? The spirit world, that's our baseline. If I was, if someone was to ask that question and say to me, now what is the spirit world? Mm. I would say that's our world view. Mm. And I'd put it this way. The spiritual world actions the physical world. That's it. Full stop. And for you to be able to function and know that, All you have to do is look for the signs constantly. Mm. And to do that, you have to be observant. Mm. And to be observant, no matter where you are, because on this landscape, the spirit demands movement. You can't stay in one place. And that's its baseline. It's a land that demands movement. If you don't move, it will move you. And then as you move, you're constantly looking for the signs. What's there? Mm, What's here? And as you see all of these things, you can tell what's happening with the weather Mm -hmm. because that's that's the, the thing that governs everything that we do physically. And by looking and having the powers of observation, you see, oh, that plant shouldn't be flowering now because you know what time of year it is because we had an annual cycle like all other cultures. But we also had the six seasons. And if they're flowering out of season, straight away you say, ha-ha, there's going to be two things. We're going to have a, a long summer or a short summer. Then you observe the ants. If they're moving, it could be two things. Slight earth tremor, they feel all of the movement of the earth. Mm. Or it's going to rain. So you're constantly looking for these things. And those powers of observation allow you to call on the pattern that you've got in your head about the rhythm that everything functions in on the land through that six season cycle and as people moved across it they did so with a social order and they also did it with a governance model and they also did it with a totemic system 
So combine those things and your ceremonies mm. and you've got this incredible knowledge of your country and what's going on in your catchment and other catchments. And that's telling you through the powers of observation what's going to happen weather-wise. And you're also looking at what's happening with the night sky. And you see certain things happen up there like planets. They always move that way in the sky towards the east. The other stars seem to move to the west, but they don't move at all. We do on the planet here, because we're one of the planets. And the Earth, as it's turning, it takes 24 hours to do a complete circle around. It takes 365 days to go around the sun every year. And I just always say that that's a, a holiday for us. We get a free trip around the sun every year. <laughs> and I quite like that. It keeps me in holiday mode all the time. <laughs> that's very good. So these are the important little bits and pieces that make up who you are. Mm. and what you're connected to and the powers of observation take you deeper mm. into it and as you're noticing all these things and you know the stories of the place how everything came into being it's a rhythm an incredible rhythm and all we are is part of that rhythm just like looking at a, a beautifully made clock without the cover on it. And you see all the little pieces working and moving in their sequence. And some move really quickly and some move really slowly. And some move so slow you can't even see them move, but they're moving. Mm. And then there's this little piece here that's really moving quickly. You can see and notice easily. And that has to happen before the rest of it will happen because that's a rhythm and as sure as there is such a thing as time as we know it now everything lives out its existence its usefulness its time and away it goes but that spirit is constant it's there all the time and all you are doing is inheriting it when you're born and not just learning about it, you're feeling it. It's part of you and you're part of it. Every fibre in your body tingles with it in that rhythm because another word comes into it called immersion and you're totally immersed in it. And you never ask the question, why am I here? Or, what am I supposed to do? Mm. You know exactly what you're supposed to do. Mm. And in today's world, <clears throat> my greatest job is to look after the young people. Yeah. And, and I believe that with every fibre in my body now. And those that want to come and learn, I'm ready to 
to be there and help them. Mm. Mm. I'm glad you brought up observation because mm. I was my next question was going to be what are the kind of key attributes that young people and people in general um, should kind of look towards or work towards you yeah. know, to be able to find this. The first thing that young people have to do is realise that they have something for which there is no substitute and that's youth. They say that youthful exuberance is wasted on young people. I don't believe that for a fleeting moment because if I did I would also believe that wisdom is wasted on old people. So it's old people's responsibility to guide that youthful exuberance and hone it. And when you talk about young people and how we can best help them, we need to guide that youthfulness in the right direction and say to them, stay strong. Don't allow yourself to become weak and succumb to what the majority of the present day system is doing to people. And when you say that to them, you know if they're listening or not. Mm. Because you'll see it in their eyes. They'll look at you if they're doing the right thing. They'll look at the ground if they're not. (laughs) And when they look at that ground, you go, well... It's like drafting sheep. You know how they draft sheep? They have a little gate that goes like this and there's two pathways. And when they're going through, you let the ones that are going into the good one that way and you let the ones that are going down the wrong track that way. And you weed them out. You work with the good ones. You've already offered to the ones that are going the wrong way. You've said to them, don't do that. And if they do, they're not listening to you. So... You can't work with them. Some you'll be able to salvage and drag back over because you've got to be realistic and give people a chance. So you could have three of those pens, you know, two hard basket, salvageable, and those that are going to fly. And they're the ones you work with. Because spiritually, the path is narrow. And you'll hear many cultures with belief systems say that because it is narrow. And the reason it's narrow is because the modern world is not sustainable. This system we live in is hideous and it places too much demands and stresses on people. And we need to find our own way. And we don't have to conform the spirit will guide us and if we let it do that then we won't get caught up in you know hideous substance abuse says me sitting here with a tummy as round as <laughs> the planet because I'm an addict and my addiction is sugar mm. and I didn't even know so they hooked me inadvertently mm. but when I look back and realise They replaced all our good diet with tea and sugar and flour. Flour that's pulverised in a ball mill and all the goodness is separated from 
the flower that you're left with, which is really useless and no good for you. And you're on your pathway to to losing all the goodness that's in your food, you know. There's got to be multi-minerals, mega antioxidants, bioflavonoids, you know, all of those anti-inflammatories, the omega-3s and 6s. Our diets had all that in the old way. Mm. Now here we are, dependent on and relying on this hideous system that we're hooked into and you end up with some form of substance abuse which can be as simple as taking aspirin or Panadol or when I was growing up was Bex and Vincent and all of these things that you can get hooked on and I see our kids now taking these things and not some of them not so young kids and putting Coca-Cola with it and getting a buzz out of it mm. and that type of thing. So there's all of these things you've got to be aware of. Mm. It's a minefield. But if you're meant to get through, the spirit will get you through. And when you come out the other side and you look back in hindsight, you'll realise that where is hindsight, you know? You're at your destination all the time. Mm. You don't go to a given place. You're already in a place. <laughs> and that place is where you are every day. That's your destination. So you've got to be aware of it. And if you are, then by design, your own design, good on you. I take my hat off to you. Because you're a stronger person than me. And I know re the reason I'm here is because the Spirit guided me and allowed me to follow its path that it laid out. I think um, that's a good spot to end on, I mm -hmm. think. Thank you so much for having a chat to me. No um, worries at all. Yeah. yeah. And if I could just have a bit of a word of advice yeah, please. to finish on. Yep. If you find you can't be good, make sure you're really good at it. <laughs> Thank you, Noel. <laughs> Cheers. That's a good one. This is Being End Time. <laughs>